IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. It's finally here, the week of practice and qualifications for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Colton Herta won last Saturday's GMR Grand Prix on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, and he joins us later in the show. After he took the checkered flag in a race held in the rain, Sunday and Monday were off days at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as the facility was turned around from the road course setup to the famed 2.5-mile oval. Practice officially began on Tuesday and continues through the rest of this week. Fast Friday is when each car gets to turn up the boost and the speed should increase into the 230-mile-per-hour category. First round of qualifications is set for Saturday, and that will determine the order of final qualifications on Sunday in a revamped format that will feature two rounds of qualifications that will determine the poll for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Day two will include two rounds of qualification attempts to decide the first four rows, including pole position. Starting in reverse order of speeds based on day one, each of the top 12 drivers will have guaranteed attempts to post a traditional four-lap qualifying time starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time. The fastest six will advance to the Firestone Fast Six at 5.10 p.m. Eastern time to determine positions one through six and compete for the NTT P1 award for the Indy 500 pole. The slowest six will fill out starting positions 7 through 12 on the grid, according to their recorded times. In the Firestone Fast Six, each entrant is again guaranteed one attempt and will qualify in reverse order based on their top 12 qualification results. The fastest wins pole position, which includes a $100,000 prize with the remaining five drivers filling out the remainder of the first two rows. Also, 2022 IndyCar Series championship points will be awarded for those who advance to the top 12 qualifying session. The Indy 500 pole winner will receive 12 points, The second fastest will receive 11, and points awarded will decrease by one-point increments down to the 12th fastest, who receives one point. But first, let's hear from Colton Herta, who scored his seventh career NTT IndyCar Series victory in last Saturday's GMR Grand Prix. It was his first IndyCar win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and he hopes to claim the big prize, the 106th Indianapolis 500 on May 29th. Here is an exclusive interview I had with Colton Herta on Pit Pass Indy. 
Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the winner of the GMR Grand Prix. It's Colton Herta, seventh career victory, but it's your first IndyCar win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. How proud of a moment is that for you? It, yeah, it's it's really cool. Really cool to be able to uh, to now say I'm an IndyCar winner at the Speedway. Obviously not in the way I really would like to say it, but uh, I can say it regardless. Um, but yeah, an interesting one. We had a little bit of everything today. Of course, the big one is coming up in two weeks, the 106 Indianapolis 500. You've qualified very well for that race. You've been a contender in that race. I know that mechanically, nothing transitions from this race to that race, but momentum's always important. How big of a boost is it going into practice this week and going into next weekend's qualification? I mean, it's, it's always nice. You kind of get, get in that mode and, and you get to, to get that confidence, not only for you, but for everybody on the team to kind of push forward. And it's... It's probably the best race to do it going into. So, um, yeah, never really been close to winning the 500. And you've always had great cars, so this year could definitely be my year. A wet and wild race. Two key decisions was when to get off the rain tires at the beginning of the race and when to go back on the rain tires at the end of the race. If you could take us through those two decisions, how the team reached those decisions that were key to your victory. Um. You know, I think it was a little bit of both on each side. We always have to, I, I think usually I have to make the call on, on what I want to do, but they have to make the call on what the weather's looking like, right? So if I wanted to go to Slicks there at the end when it was wet, um, but not raining, and they say, oh, it's going to rain in five minutes, um, right? They're, they're very influential in that role. So it's, it's, it's both of us making a really big decision, and we did it right today. And I knew at, at any point during that race it could all go wrong and a yellow could come out and we could make the wrong decision on tires and everything could flip-flop, but, but we ended up doing everything perfect. I'm so happy. As far as a rain race, are those the most stressful kind from a race driver? Because really, it's such an oddball situation. A lot of times you don't know whether you're making the right decision or not or how long the track's going to be as wet as it needs to be for the rain tires to really be effective. I mean, you just need to be confident in every part of it. Um, obviously, it's very easy to check the car off in the wet. We saw that today. Um, it's very easy to check the car off in the wet when you're on slick tires. So you need to be confident in every decision you make, every brake zone, every time you want to pit, what tires you want to go on. You need, just need to be confident, especially in a rain race. But on the last restart, or the next to last restart, I don't think enough attention has been given to you drag racing Pato Award down and getting the lead. If you could take us back through that moment of the race and what you were able to do and how you were able to get by him. Um, yeah, so I, st I started third. I started behind Jimmy, um, and I was able to pick Jimmy off onto the outside of him going through turn 14, uh, the last turn, and then got a good run down the front straight through Pot and then got to the inside of Pato and was able to break a little bit later and get to the inside and, and get the place. And as far as once that was done hanging on, I know also then you had to fight off Simon Pagano, and I know you, you admitted you used a little bit of a trick by looking at the TV screens to kind of keep him, you know, at bay. Uh, what was that part like, and how did you learn that maneuver? I think it's just natural, but, yeah, you know, I, I knew that it, the spray was going to be very difficult to see, and so I got, got down into one, and... Um, you know, it seemed like I could never see him until he got to the apex, like the spray was that heavy. So I knew it was going to be difficult for him to kind of make a move and, and decide where to break and how late to break. Um, so I knew we were kind of in the clear as long as I didn't make a mistake, and that ended up happening. First test in the rain with the arrow screen, what did you think? Uh, it was okay. There's definitely stuff that we can improve on, but I thought it was, uh, it was strong regardless. 
And also now heading into the week of practice for the Indianapolis 500, how confident are you that Andretti Autosport is caught up on its oval program and that you can really be a contender and not only make the win the pole, challenge for the pole, challenge for the race victory? Yeah, it's like I said, like that just pushes the momentum into our side and um, we always have great cars in the 500 so I'm not I'm not um, stressing at all we always have great stuff and I can't wait to be doing it Colton Hurd of the winning driver the GMR Grand Prix congratulations on your big victory good luck in the 106th Indianapolis 500 thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy thank you Alex Pillow was fighting to the finish in last year's Indianapolis 500 before falling just short to race winner Elio Castroneves, who won his fourth Indy 500 in 2021. After finishing second last year, Pillow is back, hungrier than ever, to drive his number 10 NTT Data Chip Ganassi Racing Honda into victory lane at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Pelo joins me to tell me how he's going to do it on this exclusive Pit Pass Indie interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indie is the driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda and 106 Indianapolis 500. It's defending champion of the series, Alex Pelo. Alex, we're standing in victory lane at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm sure this is where you want to finish on May 29th. Absolutely. That's a goal. It looks amazing. Uh, we were really close last year uh, battling with Elio until the end. And I learned a lot from that one. So cannot wait to, to try and do it again, try and make one spot better and try and make our car number 10 in TT Data uh, up there in Victory Lane. You've had a very good start to the season. You entered the GMR Grand Prix of Indianapolis as the points leader. How important is it in May to arrive at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the points lead? It's it's amazing. It, it just like gives you confidence. Um, we had a really good start so far. I think even better than last year. Really consistent, really, really good cars, really good strategies. So we've been really good. Um, and I think it just makes you feel like you don't have to do some extra work. Like, you know, Indianapolis 500, it's double points and, and you might, if you had a bad start, you might want to do an extra job there, but we don't have to. Uh, we just need to keep doing what we're doing. We don't need to do anything crazy. We just want to take it one race at a time and, and try and win this race. After the GMR Grand Prix, we now have a week's worth of practice leading into a new way of qualifying for the race. They announced a couple of weeks ago some changes made to the qualification format. What do you think of those? I think it's uh, it's tough to say but because but haven't been there, haven't done it, so I don't really know. Um, I think it's going to be okay. It's going to be, we're going to have to do it one more time if you want to get the pole. I mean, like you're going to see the fast cars running more than than you would do last year. So I think that's great for the fans. That's great for the event and that's great for the drivers too. So I think it's going to be cool. Uh, let's see how it turns out. There's only 33 entries in this year's race, so everybody's going to make the field. So does it do a lot of teams then just put a lot of emphasis on the race running and the race trim? Unless you're on one of the faster teams, such as yourself, that a lot of guys really kind of need to preserve their cars at the lower end of the field. Well, I think now with having different boost for qualifying and race, normally we take all the 
all the practice for race. Like we don't really do qualifying runs there. There are some teams and drivers that want to do it. Um, personally, I prefer to just do race runs. Um, and then when we have the boost uh, for qualifying, we, we make those practices. I think it's only on Fast Friday. So, um, yeah, we will focus on, on the race car, which is the most important at the end. Uh, you can start P1 in this race, but you have 200 laps to go uh, and you're going to be in, in traffic at some point. So it's better to have a good car in traffic than a good car in clean air. So we'll focus on that. Hopefully we can make it happen uh, like we did last year um, and we should have a good race. Race day here is generally pretty hot and the forecast for the rest of this week is high temperatures in the 80s. Does that help with race trim? Um, well... It depends. I think that helps the show because we're going to have more tire deck. We're going to have some more cars doing some small mistakes that allow other cars to pass. Um, if it's really cold, um, it's super easy to just follow and there's no tire deck and, and you don't really see different strategies and so on. So I think it's going to be perfect weather for a really good show. Going back to qualifying, do you have to go out and try to get into the fast six you know, from a group of 12 down to six, make two four-lap runs on the edge to try to win the pole. As a driver, is that something you look forward to, or is it a little on the risky side? Um, it's always risky, man. It's always risky when you go out uh, on qualifying trim at the Indianapolis 500, man. It's always risky. We saw it last year uh, with myself. So, um, yeah, it's risky. That's what we said. Like, it's... It's good for the event. It's going to be interesting. But for the drivers that have to go another another time when you already did uh, a good four-lap run, uh, it's tough. So, yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be, anyway, good for, for the qualifying uh, show. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. We've had winners here come from the back of the field recently, as a matter of fact. I think in 2015 when Juan Pablo Montoya won his second Indianapolis 500. At one point, he was 33rd in the race, came back, won the race. But in your mind, how important is qualifying? How important is it to start up front and why? It's always, uh, it just makes it easier on strategies, on just normal running, uh, overtakes and stuff. Like if you can run up front, the car feels much better. You feel like you have a car that it's capable of winning and you put the same car uh, in the back of the field with the dirty air and you have no no grip at all. So um, it's always important to start from, but as you said, it's a race where you can overtake and you can make uh, your way into P1 from last. So hopefully we have uh, an easier race than pa Juan Pablo did. Uh, hopefully we can start up front and, and stay up front all race. You're here to become an Indianapolis 500 winner, but how important would it be to have Alex Polo Indy 500 pole winner? It would be really important. Obviously, as you said, they give us the points in, in the race and it's what makes you uh, be part of history. Um, the poll, it's, it's good. And, and there's a little bit of points as well and it's important, um, but it's not what makes you be part of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway history. So we'll focus first on the qualifying, obviously, because it's the one thing we have before, but then we'll go right into race mode. And how nervous will you be Sunday, should you, you know, when it comes down to the day that it decides the pole, the first couple of rows, how nervous are you entering that? Because it starts late in the day and you've got all day to wait around for it. 
Yeah, that's the bad part, um, just because there's too much time to think about stuff. Um, but anyway, it's exciting. I think it's more excitement than nervous. Um, always you, I think everybody gets nervous, a bit nervous during qualifying. It's the most intense four laps of your entire year. So um, yeah, hopefully it's just excitement. And in our final question for Alex Pelot, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda Chip Ganassi Racing, what is it about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? What is it about the Indianapolis 500 that has really struck you now that you're begin getting ready to participate in it for the third time in your career? I think the fans and how everybody in Indianapolis and other cities leave this event. Like you could see from like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, everybody in downtown like putting their flags out and, and how everybody knows that it's May and, and they want to... Uh, be at the racetrack and embrace the event. So I think it's the fans that make it so important. Alex Below, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda at Chip Ganassi Racing. Good luck in Indianapolis 500 pole qualifications and even better luck on race day for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Yeah, thank you so much. Kyle Kirkwood is prepared to make his first start in the Indianapolis 500. He will be driving the famed number 14 Chevrolet for A.J. Foyt Racing. Foyt was the first four-time winner of the Indy 500 and remains the most legendary name in the history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Kirkwood feels a certain honor and responsibility driving for the Indy 500 legend as he tells me in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the driver of the number 14 Chevrolet at AJ Foyt Racing. It's Kyle Kirkwood. Kyle, you're getting ready to run your first Indianapolis 500 for the most famous name in the history of the Indy 500. Is that a little bit of an extra responsibility to bear? Uh, it's, it's definitely a little bit. Um, racing for the famed AJ Foyt Racing is, is a massive thing, and AJ will be here. He's actually, I think, here today. He's going to for the, for the club presentation premiere. Um, so it, it's awesome being able to race, especially in that number 14 car, right? Like what that number has done around here is some of the most incredible stuff that's ever happened at this speedway. And to be able to represent that is, is a massive thing. And we're going to work hard all month to try and try and get that number 14 back to the top step. After the GMR Grand Prix, it's a week of practice heading in the pole weekend for the 106th Indianapolis 500. What will your game plan be? Most teams spend the first three, four days working on race trim, don't really even work on qualifying setup till the extra boost on Fast Friday. Yeah, I think we're going to be kind of on the same schedule as everyone else because when everyone's out there doing race trimming and then you try and go out there and do some quality runs, it usually never works out. So you kind of have to go on the schedule as everyone else. Kind of There's a, kind of a mutual respect, it seems, of the paddock that – Hey, everyone's doing race running, so we got to do race running. Every, everyone's doing quality running, so we're going to wait and make sure we get some clean air to do some quality running. So um, you, ha you have to respect that or else it doesn't really work out for you. You were here for the two-day test uh, back in April where 32 of the 33 cars that are entered in the race were able to be on track. How much did you get to run in the big group running, the pack sessions, that final four-hour practice? It looked pretty wild. You know, quite quite a bit, actually, um, and it's a ton of fun. We were, we were starting to figure it out. Um, we were definitely on the safe side with the car, and we have a very good 
direction, or we feel we have a very good direction um, coming into the practice sessions this coming week. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting out and doing some more of it because it's been a couple weeks. We've gotten cold. It's we've had a race in between, and uh, we're we're doing circuit racing right now. But but uh, once we get back out doing the oval stuff, I, I'm ready to get back into some traffic and really start to hone in and figure it out what it's going to be like during those 500 miles. Are you prepared for the? scene that is A.J. Foyt at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Everybody who's anybody will come through that garage between now and race day to sit down and have a chance to talk to the legend. Yeah, this is true. Um, you know, I'm probably not prepared because I've never actually been a witness of it. I walked into the garage earlier today and I was like, what's, what's going on with all this ice cream that's sitting inside A1? And supposedly that's a tradition that there's always been a big ice cream uh, cooler there. And... Um, there's a lot of tradition that comes with AJ Foy and racing at this place and being around him with the team and driving the number 14 car. So I don't know really what to expect, but I'm going to figure it out here pretty quickly. But there are also certain expectations knowing that guy wrote the book on success here and you really don't want to let him down. Yeah, that's no doubt. Um, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to go and do a couple laps with him in, in a pace car or something and try and hone in and gather some of his knowledge that he's learned here over the years. Um, like you said, he's, he's a legend around this place. And to be able to carry that weight on my shoulders and try and do something well for the, for the AJ Foy team is, is a lot to bear. And um, I'm just going to work hard to make sure we can make that happen. But before we get to race day, we get to a modified qualification setup for the Indianapolis 500 this weekend. How do you like the setup and what are the, what's it going to be like with so many multiple attempts. So, um, are you ta you're talking about the qualifying weekend, right? Yeah, so so I've actually never really been a part of it. I've watched it on TV. Yeah, this day we're not gonna have the bump day, which is, is a little bit strange to see, right? Um, but we're still gonna have that full field. So I imagine this year, especially for, um, especially for us, is gonna be, you're gonna see a lot more people working on race trim stuff as as the weekend progress or weeks progress and see a lot less qualifying because qualifying isn't going to mean everything um you still got to get through the race and plenty of stops there's also been a lot of speculation about your future for next season are you talking to andretti autosport as a policy i don't discuss anything that regards contracts but i mean the fact is you're in such demand which has got to make you feel pretty good that you know your career is getting off to a great start yeah, you know, for, even from the start of the season, everyone's been speculating of stuff about me, which is which is good to hear. But uh, right now, we're we're only was it four races into the season? We're getting ready to come up on our fifth, and we've got we've got plenty to go. There's 17 races in the season, and nothing happens. Uh, nothing nothing happens until the end of there. And also, what do you think of the extra entries for the 500? I mean, you get guys like Juan Pablo Montoya returning. You know, some pretty big names that uh, come and do this race you know, once a year. What's that like to have them out on the grid with you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely really cool. Um, there's a lot of legends in IndyCar that, that it, I've been racing against this season already. I mean, I looked up to Dixon, Will Power, a lot of those guys that have been around forever. Elio Castroneves is one of them. And it's it's cool being able to race against them and see how their tendencies are and learn as much as I can from them in the short period that I've actually been in IndyCar. In IndyCar. Um, but this year, there's a couple additions to it. One of those being Juan Pablo Montoya, who I've known for quite some time from the karting, uh, karting circuit and being around his son, who's a couple years younger than me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a cool experience, and I'm really looking forward to my first 500. 
keep your eye on the number 14 at AJ Foyt Racing, only this time the driver's named Kyle Kirkwood. It's great to be in demand, isn't it? Um, sure is. Good luck in the 106 Indianapolis 500. Good luck in this weekend's qualifying for the Indy 500 poll. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. Two-time Indianapolis 500 winner Juan Pablo Montoya is back with Arrow McLaren SP Racing. Montoya won the Indy 500 in his first attempt in 2000 when he was with Chip Ganassi Racing and again in 2015 with Team Penske. Montoya believes he is better prepared to contend for victory in his return attempt with Aero McLaren SP than he was in 2021. He tells me why in this exclusive interview on Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, it's an honor to have a two-time Indianapolis 500 winner with us. It's Juan Pablo Montoya of Aero McLaren SP. Juan, you're back to try to win your third Indianapolis 500. You look like you're having fun. What is it about being back at the Indy 500 that you like? Uh, it's really exciting. You know, I mean, I think the experience with our McLaren SP last year was a lot of fun. You know, the car, you know, with the, the car, it's been amazing. You know what I mean? Um, and the support from the sponsors, Arrow, you know, Mission Food and everybody involved in the program, Progressive as well. And it, it's a lot of fun. I, I think we're in the right track, right direction. Um, like everything, you always want more, you always expect more. But, you know, I felt we, we gained on it, on it a lot over the over the test. We 
found new things on the car that made the car better for me. And I felt I was really good. I felt I was really, really good. So, uh, you know, there, for being the test day and so early in the in the month, I, I was good. Now the big, the big thing is that last 15, 20% that you got to work on during the month and, and making the car better. Do you believe you got more out of this year's test than you did last year? Well, last year I felt the car wanted to kill me every lap. This one, I felt I'm in control of the car, so it feels good. And I believe you're working with Craig Hampson again? On, no, on no, the no. Amber? Okay, Craig who's... has been working full-time now uh, with, with Felix. So I got Felix Engineer Blair. Okay, so as far as the group that you've got heading in, it's an extra effort at Arrow McLaren SP, but they're all top-notch guys. How much confidence does that give you? Oh, it's good. You know what I mean? It's good. You know, we got a really good engineering group. Um, you know, all three of us want different things out of the car, so it's interesting. And, it, you know, it's good because as we got different things and want different things, we work on different things. And, and sometimes when somebody finds something, you know, we try it and it works in all the cars. Your last victory here in 2015, at one point in the race, you were 33rd in the field. And you prove that day, it doesn't matter where you are in, the, in this race, you can win from any spot on the grid. But how important is qualifying to you? It's really not. Um, of course, you want to do a good job. You want to put, you know, four solid laps together. You know, you don't want to start too far back. But uh, is being on pole in India a priority? No, the priority is having a, a race winning car. So you will spend the rest of this week working on race setup more so than qualifying trim. Yeah, I think, you know, qualifying trim is, is irrelevant in the low boost because once you put the power, the extra power and everything for qualifying, then the car feels completely different. The temperatures for the rest of this week are to be in the high 80s. Race day traditionally here has been pretty warm. Does that help car setup? If it's the same kind of weather, yeah. The more you can run in similar weather to the race is good. Because then, I mean, you can run in kind of the same downforce level. To be back here with Aero McLaren SP, you ran for McLaren in Formula One. How much of a at-home feeling do you get, even though it was different guys on, on each team, but still, it's a McLaren operation? Yeah, it's a McLaren operation, but it's, it's nice. You know, there's a lot of people from the UK, a lot of people from, from here in the States. So it's a great group. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of fun. We, we have a really good relationship with the other guys as well, with Pat and Felix. So pretty excited. As a former Formula One driver, are you a little surprised at how much Formula One has taken off in the United States lately? Uh, not really. You know, I mean, I think going to Miami for F1 was the right choice. They finally went to a, to a prime market. You know, what I mean, Indianapolis for the Indy cars is the right place. It's got the culture, it's got the history, like Daytona is for NASCAR. But I think Formula One was missing a, a big city home, and I think Miami was the right place for it. What do you think it's going to be like when they go to Vegas? Uh, it'd be interesting because it, I think it'd be crazy, but it'd be a completely different group of people that go to Vegas than Miami. You know what I mean, you're going to have same kind of celebrities in both places, but it's just a different, you know, I think Vegas is more California kind of people and stuff like that, where Miami is more New York kind of people. And working with Zach Brown, he's a guy that makes things happen. In a lot of ways, he's almost like the Elon Musk of motorsports, but... What do you think of him just to be able to have this big-time IndyCar effort, this big-time uh, Formula One team, and also the McLaren car company? Oh, it's good. He's a hell of a doer. You know, he's a guy that wants to get things done. And, and to have a relationship with Zach and, uh, you know, kind of a friendship with him is really, really good. And finally, our final question with Juan Pablo Montoya, two-time winner of the Indy 500. I know you're a guy that doesn't get 
taken up by a lot of things, but is it still cool for you to walk into this place? Yeah, it's always nice. It's always nice to walk in and, you know, remember how the politicking is here and everything and the yellow shirts and everything is, is let's call it different. Yeah, but you have a pers personal relationship with the owner of the place now. You no, used I to do. Drive I, for before him. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Juan Pablo Montoya, Arrow McLaren SP. Good luck in the Indianapolis 500. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. We wrap up this edition of Pit Pass Indy with an exclusive interview with 2019 Indianapolis 500 winner Simon Pagenaud. This year, Pagano is driving the number 50 Sirius XM AutoNation Honda for Meyer Shank Racing. That team won the 105th Indianapolis 500 last year with Elio Castroneves. Pagano is confident that he will be fighting to the finish to win this year's Indianapolis 500, as he tells me in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the 2019 winner of the Indianapolis 500, Simon Pagano. Simon, what's it going to be like walking out on the starting grid on race day for the first time since then with full capacity as a former Indy 500 winning driver? Oh, it's going to be awesome. Well, I didn't get to, uh, to celebrate with the fans after uh, winning in uh, 2020. So, you know, that was a bit of a shame. That was a tough year. Uh, but we raced, and that's the beauty of what we do in IndyCar. Now, I can't wait. I can't wait for this weekend. I'm very, very excited. Uh, new team, new colors, uh, and a whole new, uh, whole new goals. And in 2021, you only had 137,000 people here, so it's not going to quite be the same as 300,000 on May 29th. But still, that's a pretty good crowd. That's a huge crowd. Yeah, it was a huge crowd, and it's going to be even better this year. So, you know, there's a uh, big hype around the sport right now we uh, just witnessed the formula one race in miami which was really good for the sport in general in the u.s and uh yeah it seems like racing is on the up want to ask you about that formula one race in miami are you surprised at just how quickly formula one has taken off in the last year or two no i'm not surprised at all because uh netflix did a trem tremendous job at uh you know, making it a bit Hollywoods and uh, making a story out of uh, every situation. And that's what people want to see, you know, these days. It's, uh, uh, I mean, it's not just these days, but it's the evolution of our society. Um, I'm glad it happened. I think it's fantastic for the sport in general, for racing. Uh, I'm a race fan, so I want to see the growth just as much as you want, Bruce. There's a lot of people who want a similar type show for IndyCar to do it, but can you capture lightning in a bottle twice? when it comes to capturing the attention that Drive to Survive has been able to do? I think so. I think we have a very different story to tell uh, in IndyCar. I think the, the talent uh, is there, the teams, uh, it's super competitive. I think you would, see, um, you would see tremendous dedication from the drivers, the teams, the engineers. I think it would be amazing, um, but certainly we'd have to find a way to romance it differently. What was the other thing about Miami that surprised you? Not only the fact that it was packed with fans, circuit looked pretty interesting, even with the fake water, but as far as the way they were able to take the Dolphin Stadium and turn it into an F1 track, what did you think of all that? Yeah, I think it's what surprised me, the, not surprised me, but what impressed me the most is how they organized the village, um, you know, the, the shops, and, um, you know, how you could roam around and, and be attracted to shops and 
shirts to buy and hats and uh, bars and restaurants and there was something to do at every corners and I think it's it was a fantastic guest experience that I really enjoyed seeing. And as far though as the race course itself, there were some drivers that complained about the track surface. But what did you think of the of the course? I think I think the course was great. And I, honestly, the first thing I heard from uh, people around us were the food and the view, and that's what people cared about. They didn't care about competition or the cars, which really surprised me. I thought that would be the number one priority. But um, you know, there were people were happy to be around such an event. It was the cool place to be. And uh, you saw all the celebrities that showed up, all the IndyCar drivers showed up, and uh, uh, it, was just, uh, it was just an awesome event. So uh, the race course to me was, was spectacular, um, and it was well done around the, the Dolphin Stadium. This will be the first time since 2014 that you will participate in the Indianapolis 500 for a team other than Team Penske. You're with Meyer Shank Racing, which happens to be the defending Indy 500 winning team here. I know you've had a pretty good start to the season with that group. How excited are you to take that group and possibly bring them into victory lane two years in a row? That's super exciting. You know, first we have to focus on the Grand Prix here, um, which is one of my specialty. And, you know, we've had four races to work on the details and, and improve and adjust through it, uh, put process in place. And we have, and, and this team is very responsive. So I enjoy dearly working with Mike Schenk in my ear on the radio um, and, and my engineer also, Garrett. Um, it, it's been a tremendous uh, getting to know everybody. And, and I think when uh, we get to unlock the potential, the people will get to see what we've done. And it's, uh, it's exciting. Looking at the Indianapolis 500 this week, there will be a full week of practice leading in the poll weekend. What will you be doing the first couple of days? I know that nobody really does qualifying trim till Fast Friday because it's fairly pointless. So how much, how many different race setups will you guys choose? Well, there's, um, there's a variety of choices, obviously, with uh, our two cars, with Elio, we, uh, we have a technical alliance with the Andretti guys, so we get to see that and share. So we'll, uh, we'll go through all that process. Uh, but certainly, like you said, we're going to do race, uh, race work at the beginning of the week. Friday, Fast Friday is going to be about qualifying, and then Saturday we go into it. So I hope we can uh, put in a Fast 9, Fast 12. That's right, Fast 12, which leads back into the Fast 6, That's right. not the Fast 9. So what do you think of the new qualifying changes? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's part of, um, it's part of the, what we get given. And yet you just got to do the job. And, um, you know, as long as it's exciting for the fans and clear for them, um, I think it's great. I think there's a chance for some really exciting stuff. I don't want to talk about it because I, I, we've done some work at trying to analyze it. But I think there's... Uh, potential for very exciting ends in the, in, the, um, in the Fast 6 especially. If you get into the Fast 6 to make two four-lap runs for the pole, is that going to be fun or is that going to be a little bit of risky business? Well, you know, if you want to put in Indianapolis, it should be rewarded. And uh, you know it's rewarded well, so it should be hard to get. So, um, you know, they've definitely made the, the task tougher. Um, and uh, if you have to go twice, let's, go, let's do it twice. Your face is already on the Borg Warner Trophy, and you got to know the Borg Warner people pretty well from when you went to France with the trophy, with the, the chairman who also is from France. What do you think of Borg Warner, the company, and their commitment that's been part of that trophy since 1935? I mean, it's tremendous. When you look at the pictures of the trophy growing, uh, the faces 
getting sculpted on the, on it and uh, what this trophy now represents. It's just incredible. There is no other trophy in the world like the Borg Warner Trophy. Um, you know, there's no other trophy where you get your head sculpted on it and uh, it's going to stay forever. Um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of art and uh, I'm super honored to be on it. And wrapping up here with Simon Pagino, Meyer Shank Racing. To be a single winner of the Indianapolis 500 is a dream come true, but to be a multiple winner puts you in an elite group, an even more special category. What would that mean to you if you were able to join that group? Extreme pride, and especially doing it with another team, uh, would be the, a serious accomplishment in my career. Um, I, uh, I'm going to do everything I can for my group. I, I love working with these people, and uh, I'm, I'm going to give them my A game. Simon Pagano, 2019 winner of the Indianapolis 500, who now drives the number 60 Honda for Meyer Shank Racing. Good luck in this year's 106th Indianapolis 500, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, GMR Grand Prix winner Colton Hurdo of Andretti Autosport, 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing, rookie driver Kyle Kirkwood of AJ Foyt Racing, two-time Indianapolis 500 winner Juan Pablo Montoya of Aero McLaren SP, and 2019 Indianapolis 500 winning driver Simon Pagano for joining me on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.